0: at a West End apartment building has claimed one life. Police announced early this morning they were called out just before 9.30 last night to the building on Proudfoot Lane in the area of Oxford and Wonderland. Officers say one man suffered life-threatening injuries. He was later pronounced dead in hospital. His identity has not yet been released. The cause of the blaze remains under investigation and the Ontario Fire Marshal's Office has been called in to work on the investigation. A damage estimate also has not yet been released. London police say one person suffered multiple gunshot injuries after an incident early this morning in the city's east end. 980 CFPL's Jess Brady tells us the investigation began with a 911 call. Officers say the call came in from a citizen around 1.15, reporting what they thought was the sound of gunshots in the area of Florence and Kellogg Lane. Police responded to the area and say a male suffering from multiple gunshot injuries went to hospital and was treated and released. A man was arrested at the scene and is still in custody. Police say they also seized a firearm and there's no threat to public safety. Jess Brady, 980 CFPL. Environment Canada says a windstorm that battered much of the province is starting to die down. Spokesman Gerald Cheng says the agency recorded maximum winds of 128 kilometers per hour in the Niagara region. Here in London, winds hit as high as 79 kilometers per hour. Hydro One says about 25,000 people are without power across the province, which is down from a peak of 156,000. Authorities say a major highway in the region has been closed in both directions to deal with a collision involving dozens of vehicles. Local fire officials say they are treating several people with minor injuries after a crash on the 400 southbound near Barrie at around 10 this morning, which they say involves up to 70 vehicles. OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt says there's zero visibility in the area with heavy snow and blowing snow causing problems. It was a harrowing weekend in Norfolk County for residents and emergency crews as they dealt with flooding and intense ice buildup. Port Dover was hit the worst with emergency personnel having to execute a few rescues, including helping a 77-year-old woman stuck in her home. Constable Ed Sanchuk tells 980 CFPL she was stuck in her home filled with water that was waist deep.
1: We rescued a uh, 77-year-old female from her home. Uh, with the assistance of the Norfolk County Fire Department. And my hat's to go off to, you know, not only the fire department, the paramedics, Hydro One and our tow truck operators, but we had a lot of down power lines and a lot of down trees yesterday as a result of the storm that went through.
0: In another case, crews helped bring a 70-year-old man back to shore after he ventured out onto Lake Erie to do some ice fishing, but the wind was pushing him out. Sanchuk says the man used an ice pick to latch on and call 911 for help. The flooding is now receding, but Sanchuk is still asking everyone to stay off the ice and to respect any roadblocks that may still be up in the area. Ontario's Social Services Ministry directed autism therapy providers in the fall to only honor previous service commitments, but the ministers denying the waitlist for treatment was frozen. The revelation comes amid anger from parents and advocates over the government's new autism program, which they say will leave many kids without the level of treatment they need. Children, Community and Social Services Minister Lisa McLeod has said the changes are intended to clear the waitlist of 23,000 children, as many have been waiting years for treatment. The new program was announced earlier this month, but the ministry says in a statement today that in October, agencies were told to only bring new clients into service if service commitments had already been made. McLeod says it's erroneous to say there was a freeze on the waitlist. Government documents also suggest service providers were instructed not to tell families about the October directive. You're listening to 980 CFPL.
2: It's not a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We are still dealing with high winds. We are going to keep tabs on anything that is happening north of London and certainly things that are going on here there and all over the place in the area. I want to thank Devin Peacock for filling in for a few days last week. That was fantastic. My name is Mike Stubbs and it is great to be back. Now, we are monitoring a situation right now on the 400 where police and fire have been reporting a 50 to 70 vehicle crash, 50 to 70 vehicles. It just so happens we're going to be talking with Norfolk OPP Ed Sanchuk in a few minutes. Not sure that he has a lot of details on that, but something I'd be interested in knowing is what do you do when you are in a situation like that? Because we've had a few of these before. We had one on the 401 going west toward Windsor, going back to what, 1999 would it have been? 2000 even? It was right around there. And it was terrifying for anybody involved. We've had issues on the 402. When you are in a crash, typically after... The actual motion of the crash is finished, you try and get out of the vehicle. But if you know that you are on the 401 or the 402 or any kind of highway, I'm thinking you don't. Isn't that it? it especially if you can hear cars crashing, you do not exit the vehicle. I'm not sure exactly what the protocol is. So maybe we can ask Norfolk OPP. Officer Ed Sanchuk about that, because we are going to talk about a few stories, a couple of harrowing stories. You may have heard little bits of one or two of them at one o'clock with Jacqueline LaBelle about people being out this weekend and being in situations that you would never dream of being in. Guy goes out ice fishing. Next thing you know, the wind is actually blowing him, for lack of a better term, out to sea, even though he wasn't going out to sea, he was going out toward where the water would be. And had to be rescued. So we'll find out how they even found out he was there and how they got to this guy, how they rescued him. There are some pretty wild stories coming up with Norfolk OPP officer Ed Sanchuk. We are also going to talk about the keto diet today. In about a half hour from now, everywhere you go, you find this. Hey, are you keto? Are you keto? Are you keto? Have you tried keto? Are you doing keto? I don't know. no. Isn't that the one that shuts down your organs temporarily? We're going to find out what this is and whether or not that is a way to go about losing weight. Every once in a while, there are fad diets that catch on. And they seem to sweep everywhere. Hey, this right here is the way to lose weight. This right here is the way to eat. And it will outline cut out carbs or only eat meat or wait, cut out all meat or wait a minute, just eat fish. And they'll have all of these different ways of eating. And it's supposed to work wonders for you. How about a cleanse? Let's have a cleanse. I don't even know what a cleanse is. I've never done one. Is it worth doing? So we'll find out more about the keto diet. I'm fascinated because I haven't been able to dig into this. I don't do dieting stuff. You know what helps you lose weight in my books? Eat right, so don't gorge yourself on anything bad. Eat things that are real, like vegetables and fruits and meat and whatever else. Try and stay away from the stuff in the boxes and the packages. And you know what else? Exercise. Oh, I don't want to exercise. Yeah, okay, well, that's that's how you stay in shape. That's that's how you stay healthy, right? Good diet or a decent diet doesn't mean you can't have ice cream. You can have stuff, you need cookies but a little bit exercise. Yeah, I don't want the pain. I'd rather just have the gain, please. Could I order some gain with no pain? I don't think it's ever worked that way. But we'll dig down into the keto diet. We'll talk about the Oscars. At one point there is a couple that have sat back and watched Bohemian Rhapsody now. I don't even know how many times. It's well over 10. I think it's well over 20. They just watch this thing. It's like Star Wars. You get the people who've watched Star Wars 700 times. I've watched Star Wars 1,327 times. Why? There are a lot of other movies out there. There are a lot of pretty good movies. You don't have to watch the same one again and again. But you find comfort in it. If you see reruns, there is an actual comfort factor in watching reruns. In watching something you have seen before. So later on in the show... Even right now, why don't I throw this out there now and then we'll talk about it a little later. Is there a movie or a show that, and it has to be the same episode, but certainly a movie. Is there a movie that you watch over and over and over? You've seen this thing more than 10 times on purpose. Not just you're bored on a Sunday afternoon and it happens to be on. But there is a movie that you will watch for whatever reason over and over and over again. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. We'll talk about that a little later on. If you've ever adopted a dog and the dog has had a little trouble fitting into the family then you may need the help that we're going to bring just after 2 o'clock tonight or today. Because tonight there is actually a free seminar that's happening in Dorchester that can help you out even more. But John Wade, London's most experienced puppy and dog trainer, is going to join us on London Live just after 2 o'clock. And of course, we're also going to follow trade deadline stuff throughout the day in the National Hockey League. You know, one of the biggest trades has been today. A guy who's a marginal NHLer for a guy who's a marginal NHLer. That's the morning of the NHL trade deadline. You know why? Because the NHL trade deadline is a lot like when you are trying to figure out what to do on a Friday night or a Saturday night. And so you say to your friend or you say to your partner, so what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do tonight? "Hmm, I don't know. And for a while, you don't know what you're going to do. And then eventually, you know what? You do something. Why? Because you're forced to make a decision. In the morning of the trade deadline in the National Hockey League or any trade deadline, you're not forced to do anything. So, you want to make this deal? Eh, I don't know. We kind of see what else comes along. See what's out there. So we're not going to make this deal right now? Eh, not right now. But then, as the deadline approaches, all of a sudden you have to make a decision. And when you make that decision, more trades are made. So, likely more trades are coming, but the Toronto Maple Leafs have not done anything. The Detroit Red Wings, if you're a Red Wings fan, did something last night. Traded Gustav Nyquist to the San Jose Sharks for a second rounder and a conditional third rounder. And other than that, there isn't a whole lot going on right now. It is Monday, and is there a better way to start off Monday than to say hi to Marilyn? Marilyn, how are you?
3: Oh, I'm just so happy that you're back, although the other boy, I like him,
2: too. I love listening to Devin Peacock. So Well,
3: I, I love both of you. Let's put it that way. Well, that's good. Well, now, my very favorite movie of all time, and it would be way before your time, dear, it came out in about 1948, and it won... Oh, won just about every Academy Award that could be won. And it was called The Best Years of Our Lives.
2: The Best and, Years of Our Lives. Marilyn, I I feel bad telling you this. I've never even heard of that movie.
3: Oh, good gracious. It was, uh, well, a lot of old stars in it that maybe you wouldn't recognize, like the names of, like, um, Frederick March, Myrna Loy. Um, let me see. Uh, 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 Virginia Mail. Does that ring a bell?
2: Marilyn, I hate to tell you this. I don't know who any of those people are.
3: Dana Andrews? I th- no, you probably no. don't. Julie, Julie Andrews? Uh, Teresa Wright. And um, uh, uh, Harold Russell. Harold Russell played a sailor who had his, his uh, both hands uh, arms amputated. From the from the um, elbow down, and he really did. He really did.
2: So, Marilyn, do you watch this movie more than once? Like, do you go back uh, and watch it? Whenever it, it comes whenever on. Whenever comes and on. I, I
3: always cry because I remember those days because my brother was in the Second World War. I remember just everything about it, the way things were back then. And it makes me cry because I wish we could go back to those days, but unfortunately, we can't.
2: Marilyn, I'm going to look it up. The best years of our lives. Thank you for the call.
3: Well, thank you you, dear, and you just keep yourself well. Spray that throat so that you don't get a sore throat.
2: (laughs) Oh, I'm dealing with something right now. You stay away and you spray your throat, too. Take care, Marilyn. (laughs) Bye-bye. 519-643-2222. Shoot us a note if there is a movie that you can watch over and over and over again. Or especially if you're somebody who's seen Star Wars 1,300 times. Before we take our first break on London Live this afternoon, we do have a pair of Knights tickets to give away. The Knights are home to the Guelph Storm tomorrow night. The Knights have been kind of busy. 11 games in 19 days as of tomorrow night. And so we've got... A pair of tickets for you to go and see the Knights. All you have to do is name a member of the London Knights who scored a goal yesterday. Knights scored eight goals. Eight different people got a goal. If you can name one of the people who scored a goal yesterday for the London Knights, the phone lines are open right now. 519-643-2222. And we'll make this a call-in contest. 519-643-2222. And you will be off to see the Knights and the Guelph Storm, first right answer, gets it. Name a member of the London Knights who scored a goal yesterday in the Knights 8 1 win over the Hamilton Bulldogs. You get it. You're off to the game. It'll be a massive game tomorrow. Knights and Storm are 1 2 in the Midwest Division. And I do believe there are a couple of tickets, even if you don't win them right now. 519 643 22 22. First person up to guess is Laura. Laura, what do you have for us?
3: All right. I did not watch the game yesterday, I must admit. Oh,
2: I like this. Then then you're trying to pick someone who you think may have scored. This is great. Yes. I am going to say McMichael. You are going to say Connor McMichael. Let me see. Yes. Kevin Hancock scored. Evan Bouchard, Alex Formanson, Liam Foody, Tony Ostrongis, Josh Nelson, Billy Moskal, and Laura, Connor McMichael scored a goal yesterday. <laughs> you are off to see the Knights in the Storm tomorrow. Hang on, we'll get some information you. from you, okay? Thank you so much. You have a great day. That is well done. Did not see the game yesterday, and still, that's, that's a Knights fan. That's intuition right there. Knights fans know their team. We're going to have chances for you to win Knights tickets coming up later on the show as well. Up next, a couple of wild stories. You really will not believe these. You'll be able to tell these the next time you're sitting at a dinner. You hear this story about this guy? It's one of those kinds of stories, and there's more than one. We'll get to them. They happened over the weekend. Norfolk OPP officer Ed Sanchuk joins us next on London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. So far, here's what we have in terms of movies that can be watched more than once. This goes back to a couple that has watched Bohemian Rhapsody... A lot. I've seen it once. It was okay. It was all right. It wasn't anything that I think I could watch again. I thought the Live Aid scenes were pretty cool. But other than that, yeah, it was was all right. Uh, These two are 71 years old. They have never really been Queen fans, but they have been watching the movie... Over and over and over, they're up to twenty-four times right now that they've seen Bohemian Rhapsody. That's a lot of Bohemian Rhapsody, twenty-four times. So, what is a movie you could watch again and again and again? Uh, Brad has said Talladega Nights. You know what? That's a good one. Uh, Keith has said Dumb and Dumber. That's another good one. And those are those are very similar types of movies. You can watch those: Dumb and Dumber, Talladega Nights. Uh, Mandy says Meet the Parents. Don't know why, but I really enjoy that movie. Just makes me feel good. I think it's because I watched it with my dad the very first time I saw it. Okay, that's good. Uh, And Carmen has said, please don't criticize me on the radio for writing this. And then she has The Notebook. And that's all she's written. (laughs) Carmen, I won't criticize. I've never seen the movie. I've never seen The Notebook. So I have no idea even if it is a good movie or not. So, The Notebook, you can watch The Notebook again and again. Apparently, this is, this is what we're being told. If there is a movie you can watch again and again, please email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. We'll talk more about that a little later on. Right now, we want to go to some pretty wild stories from the weekend. Joining us right now from the Norfolk County OPP detachment is Constable Ed Sanchuk. Constable Sanchuk, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you very much for having me. There are times when things get a little uh, little hairy, and yesterday and maybe even a little bit into kind of Saturday night, it was hairy. It was windy. We've seen snow in the area. We've had blizzard conditions. Right now we have a horrible situation on the 400 series highway with 50 to 70 vehicles apparently involved in a crash. But you've seen a couple of things that you've had to deal with this weekend that maybe don't come up every day. What would the first one be? Well,
1: absolutely. On Saturday morning, at just around eleven, just eleven four in the morning, uh, emergency service personnel got a call for a male that was stranded out on Lake Erie, just in Boost Harbor near St. Williams, just a little hamlet in Northville County. Uh, looks like a seventy-year-old male of Brant County walked out into the ice to go ice fishing, and we decided to walk back. Uh, the wind was actually blowing him across the lake, so he hunkered down, was able to have an ice pick. Uh, obviously, nine one one was contacted. Officers got there. Realized the situation and what we were dealing with, and we engaged uh, not only one, two, but three Norfolk County Fire Department stations to come out to assist with removing this male safely off the ice. So we want to put a reminder out there that no ice is safe ice. Nobody should be on the ice. 20 to 25 feet away from this man, it was open, completely open water. So we're very fortunate that we weren't looking at a fatality here from this gentleman falling through the ice or going into the water.
2: So if he had not had an ice pick, could he have been blown into the open water? Uh,
1: there's a possibility, uh, again, yes, uh, absolutely, you know, he was tra- attempting to walk back to shore, and then even to walk in the shore, uh, there was broken open water as well, so the ice was the- displaced from the water, so it was one of these things where, you know, nobody should have been out on that water, nobody should have been out on that ice, it's not safe, so not only did he risk his own life, he now risked the lives of all the emergency responders that had to attend that day, so we just want to put a reminder out there for people to use some common sense and
2: not to venture out onto the ice at this time. How do you engineer a rescue like that? Uh, You know what, our uh,
1: fire department uh, partners there did a fantastic job, my hats go off to them, Uh, they were able to uh, successfully deploy a a small boat, uh, like a blow-up boat, and they were able to get out there and successfully remove the mail from the water, so, you know, from the ice, so, you know, overall, a great day, no injuries reported out of that incident, and more importantly, Hopefully it's a learning lesson for everyone not to venture on the ice.
2: We're talking right now with OPP Constable Ed Sanchuk from the Norfolk County OPP Detachment about some stories that they encountered over the weekend. So that is one. The other thing that we should probably illustrate, and it seems to make common sense until you really want to get somewhere, is when it says don't go here or stop or don't go past this barrier, you really need to pay attention to that. What else did you find this weekend?
1: absolutely we had some flooding issues in port dover and in turkey point area however you know the roadways flooded down in 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 port dover we had some ice coming up from the pier and literally coming up onto the roadway so we did shut down various parts of port dover for everyone's safety yeah we still had individuals going by they do not do not go by the road close sign so you've got a road close sign and they're not paying attention to that they're actually driving around the barricaded signs and they're driving through water that's uh, almost halfway up to their door and you know you're putting yourself in jeopardy not only that the one person that we did stop uh, had two young children in the car with them. So, you know, as a parent, I, I don't understand why that person went by the Do not, Ro- Do not Close road sign. I have no idea why, but the road signs are up for a reason. Uh, I've been on the job 20 years, and nothing, uh, it doesn't surprise me anymore, but when you're sitting at a road close sign, people will still ask if they can go around or go through. Uh, the signs are up for a reason. It's for everyone's safety. In this case here, this person did receive a ticket. It's only 100, it's $110. However, a ticket is not going to bring back a life. And the whole idea about the road close signs is don't go around it. It's there for your safety and the safety of anyone else that's behind there.
2: Yeah, so often you see people who will go up to those road close signs or even close to local traffic only, and they'll think, well, local traffic, and you race on by. You don't know what's up the road, do you?
1: Absolutely not, and that's the thing. When you have emergency services personnel working, at would say, a major crash, and all of a sudden people are going by the road close signs, and they come up on us over a hill, and they have a hard time braking. You know, there's been incidents where we've actually had a person – drive through the road close sign, and we actually pulled up to the scene as we we're investigating a fatal collision with a road sign, Im- road sign embedded in his motor vehicle. I'm um, Obviously, that person was charged as well, but, you know, we need people. Obviously, driving is a privilege. It's not a right. And people need to put their safety as a priority. And when they see a road close sign, do not go around. It's for your
2: safety. We are talking with OPP Constable Ed Sanchuk. Constable Sanchuk, when we talk about what's happening on the 400 series right now, I know details are are still coming in, but we were wondering earlier on the show whether there is a protocol for if you happen to be in what would constitute a, a chain reaction crash on a big highway, are there things that you do and do not want to do in that situation? well absolutely
1: if you find yourself in in, say blowing snow especially with the wind yesterday that blowing snow is now going to make zero visibility issues you're gonna have some issues with uh, visibility not only that when the blowing snow goes across the roadway um, i've noticed even this morning in norfolk county that that snow is now turning the ice on a roadway so we need to be cognizant of that fact we need to make sure we reduce our speed make sure that our headlighting system is completely on front and rear lights a lot of times people just drive with their running lights on it's not safe you need to be illuminated at all times more importantly if you are involved in a collision we're asking people to stay inside their vehicles. We don't want you to get out of your vehicle because the likelihood of you getting hit and killed just increased uh, quite, a bit, quite a bit there. You're safer in your vehicle if you can pull off from the side of the roadway. Again, with what's happening on the 400 series highway there, um, I don't know the individual or the particulars, that's so why I apologize, but just from dealing with crashes here in Norfolk County, the safest place you can be is in your vehicle. And we always tell people, carry a charged cell phone, make sure your vehicle is full of gas. And the other thing too is make sure you have warm, comfortable clothing, extra mitts, mittens, tukes, whatever the case may be, in case you become stranded.
2: All right, great tips. Constable Sanchuk, thanks so much for the time today.
1: Hey, thank you very much. Take care and stay safe, folks.
2: That is Constable Ed Sanchuk from Norfolk County OPP. It it just sounds like one of those things that, oh, yeah, yeah, but that won't happen to me. And it just does. Anybody who's been in those situations knows, yeah, this wasn't going to happen to me until it did. And so stay in your vehicle have all that stuff how many times do you let your vehicle get down to empty there are so many different reasons you should not let your vehicle get down to empty especially in the summer if you let it go too low that's actually hurting your vehicle and so you don't want to let it go right down to empty vehicles don't tend to run very well especially when when it is warmer weather i'm not a mechanic but ask a mechanic they'll tell you no 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 don't do that and for safety's sake when it gets down to half, fill it back up. Yeah, but then I gotta go to the gas station all the time. And sometimes it's a dollar thirty five. I don't wanna stop. Yeah, but it's it's kind of the best rule of thumb to use. So thanks to Constable Ed Sanchuk. and If you are involved in a crash of any kind on a highway, that is the best thing to do. We now do have cell phones. You don't have to walk up the road to a farmhouse and say, can I use the phone? You've got a cell phone typically in your pocket. Pull it out. Use that. Sit in the car. Wait. The emergency vehicles and emergency personnel will be there. We will take a break. Up next, Jacqueline LaBelle has news. And then we're going to talk about the keto diet I don't get it. Is this another one of those fad diets? And the only thing I know about this is it puts your organs, at least some of them, into ketosis. I like when my organs run full time. No stopping. No ketosis. Is this a thing that we should be hearing less about? Is this a fad that needs to go away? Or is this a legitimate way to lose weight? This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk keto diet. You know you've heard about it. People will say, well, I'm keto. Oh, I'm Mike. Nice to meet you. No, I'm I'm keto. Still Mike. Still nice to meet you. So we're going to delve into exactly what the keto diet is all about. Because I've heard you kind of put your organs into ketosis. Is that like putting your organs into storage in some way? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do anything that's going to tell my organs anything except for keep it up. Nice job. Good work. Keep doing what you're doing. That's all. That's all I want. couple more movies that can be watched over and over and over again. There's a couple that can't stop watching Bohemian Rhapsody. They're 71. They've seen it 25 times in the theater. There are people who have watched Star Wars like 1,300 times. I don't know how you could. Have you tried to watch Star Wars lately? Slow. Really slow. That first one, that's hard to get through. Andy says Lawrence of Arabia is one I will watch anytime I have three hours to devote to it. Al says I can rewatch movies that I associate with a holiday. I love this. So rewatch movies that he associates with a holiday. Die Hard Every Christmas. Hmm? That's good. The Ten Commandments. Around Easter, really? I don't mean to laugh. Now, is the Ten Commandments the one where Mel Brooks comes out and he's playing Moses and he says, I bring you these 15 and one of the tablets falls and smashes. And he says, Ten. Ten Commandments. Is that the movie? Is that the one? Or is this like the real one? Uh, And he says, Halloween, of course, at... Halloween. Harold, you have a movie you can watch over and over again. What is that?
4: The Greatest Show on Earth with Jimmy Stewart in a circus back in the 50s.
2: Greatest Show on Earth. Another one I haven't seen. You're giving me things to do.
4: Hey, I wish I could find it, Mike. When you find it, let me know. So
2: you, you haven't seen it around. It's not anything that you can stream. I had stream. It one
4: time, and I sold it in, a bunch, in an auction sale off a of VHS tape. Okay. But I'd sure love to watch it again. The
2: Greatest <laughs> Show on Earth. Harold, we're now looking for that. Thanks for the call. Okay, but Next up, we'll talk with Dr. Heather Thomas about the keto diet. I'm still Mike, and you're still keto, right? Global News Radio, 980 CFBL. Everybody wants to be the best person they can be, right? You want to be in the best shape. You want to feel great, right? Why not? Might as well. Can't always happen, but... If you are somebody that looks into dieting and tries different diets at different times, the soup diet. Eat nothing but soup. Okay, can I have some salmon in my soup? Can I can I drop a big steak? Can I put a scoop of ice cream in my soup? That's a diet that, I guess, popped up for a while. I don't hear much about it anymore. You know what diet you hear a lot about now? The keto diet. What exactly is the keto diet? Well, we are about to find out, thanks to Dr. Heather Thomas from the Middlesex London Health Unit. Dr. Thomas, thanks for taking some time out for us.
4: No problem, Mike. Thanks for having me.
2: The keto diet. Is this a fad? Is this a way of eating? How would you describe
4: it? Well, first, first of all, the keto diet is a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet. It puts the body into ketosis as a means to a means to achieve weight loss. So, um, I think it's I think it's popular right now as a fad diet. I don't think it's a sustainable diet over a long period of time. Um, it's pretty tough to stick to, but there are some people that do achieve weight loss by being on this diet.
2: So, high fat, low carb. Right. So, what things are you are you avoiding, and what things are you trying to eat on the keto diet?
4: So. Essentially, um, what you're avoiding are most um, carbohydrate-type foods. So most fruits, legumes, such as chickpeas, lentils, breads, pasta, you're avoiding potatoes, real pizza crust. Um, there's no dairy allowed except for butter and cream. And um, it does include things that are higher in protein, like steak and cheese and different meats and that sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, it does have foods that you do like, um, you know, things like steak. Most a lot, a lot of people do like meats and cheeses and things of that nature, unless you're vegan or vegetarian, but um, it's pretty tough to stick to. It's quite low in fiber, and so it can be problematic in terms of constipation for some folks.
2: Yeah, okay, well, I'm not sold on it just yet. We're talking <laughs> with Dr. Heather Thomas, public health dietitian, about the keto diet. Now, you had mentioned that the keto diet puts the body into ketosis. What is that?
4: So ketosis is a state where your body doesn't get enough carbohydrates. So you're either doing that because you're starving or you're, you're intentionally restricting carbohydrates. The carbohydrates are the preferred fuel for your body. Your body just works much more efficiently when it burns carbohydrate for fuel. But what you're doing in ketosis is that you're, when the carbs are scarce, um, our body's Uh, adapt and they break down fat for fuel. So essentially um, the liver starts converting fat into ketones and those ketone bodies are used instead of glucose for fuel. Um, It's a less efficient way to do it. To, the body doesn't really like to do it, but it will do it if it's necessary.
2: But it sounds like it will do it thinking that it's in some kind of danger. Hey, we're out of carbs. Uh, what else are we going to burn to keep the fire going? It's like you've run out of wood for your campfire, so you reach over and you grab the couch and say, <laughs> we got to keep this going.
4: Right. So it it is, uh, it, it can, it, the body can produce um, fuel for that reason, like using fat for fuel instead of carbs. But as soon as you, As soon as you break your diet and, and, you know, sneak in some crackers or sneak in a piece of bread because you're just really, really craving it, your body goes right out of ketosis right away. So it's a very strict diet to, you know, if if you want to really follow it, you have to be quite strict and uh, eliminate those types of carbohydrates um, pretty much completely. So it can be very challenging. It's quite restrictive. um, And a lot of people do have difficulty, um, you know, sticking to it over the long term. Public? There are some, there's some benefits to it.
2: Okay, what are the benefits?
4: So, um, some benefits, so your, your blood lipids or the, the fat levels in your blood, they might improve. Not everybody. Um, there is some evidence to show this happens, but not everybody. Um, there are some people that actually will experience worse cholesterol levels. The bad cholesterol levels can tend to go high. Um, but uh, for some people, they do have some improvement in their blood lipids. Uh, most people will lose weight on this diet, um, not everybody does, but, but a lot of people do. Some people will report like an infre- increased feeling of um, like being more alert or having more energy, that kind of thing. Now, there's, some, there's a uh, diet called the dirty keto diet. So dirty keto just means that you're including some of the unhealthier ultra-processed foods like fast foods and things of that nature that will have, um, they have, you know, protein in them but, and, and, and fat, but... They're not exactly whole foods, not really, you know, that greatest for you. Um, So if you're following a strict keto diet, you're limiting those um, ultra-processed foods. But there are some downsides, too. I think there's probably more downsides than upsides.
2: Now, the downsides, you mentioned the the whole constipation thing that you try and avoid. What else is a downside? Some people
4: feel uh, they get mood swings from not having the carbohydrates in their diet. They feel kind of sluggish. Um, everybody reacts a little bit differently, but sort of, it can kind of make you feel like crap. Uh, it can be very expensive. So animal-based proteins tend to be more expensive than uh, vegetable-based proteins, so it can be quite costly for some people. If you're following this diet, you can actually get a little bit more socially isolated. It's really tough to stick to a diet that's quite restrictive like this when you're trying to, you know, go out with your friends and family. Um, if you're celebrating a birthday or, you know, going out for dinner, that kind of thing, it makes it a bit difficult to do. Um, I mentioned that your black, bad cholesterol levels might go up. You can't go on and off that diet. You really have to stick to it religiously, otherwise that ketosis is broken. Um and we have to remember that those saturated fats are still not healthy. Like, they're increasing. If you're eating a lot of animal-based protein, you're eating a lot of uh, saturated fat, and that's not good for your heart health. Hmm. So it's really it's quite limited, and that makes it very tough to keep on with the long, in the long term.
2: We're talking with Dr. Heather Thomas, public health dietitian with the Middlesex-London Health Unit, about the keto diet. And so Dr. Thomas has been able to outline kind of what it is, the upsides, the downsides. Overall, when it comes to just names of diets, I can't even imagine trying to convince somebody that you should try the dirty keto diet. <laughs> That'll. This is going to be great. But when it comes to diets that have names, is there ever anything that you can jump on and say this is me for the rest of my life, or are these kind of you know come and go sort of fly by night things? Well,
4: well, to me, I think that if it's in the media and it's it's promoted by celebrities, it's probably more of a fad diet, and and uh, you know people are jumping on the bandwagon for whatever you know reason. What what the health unit t- tries to do is to approach. A health and well-being approach to weight so it's more of a um, it has some guiding principles that looks at overall you know what we're consuming and and how we're consuming it so doing no harm like we don't we don't want to have uh, eat a diet that's going to be um, you know really so restrictive and detrimental to your health um that even focuses on the weight side of things so much, and all, of course all diets do focus on weight loss, so we 're looking at different more of a, a well being philosophy or well being approach to to weight. Um, overall, health is really key, so you know there 's a lot more dimensions to health and well being than rather just weight it includes your mental health like, emotional your spiritual economic all these things so um, obesity is just one risk factor, it's not a, a predictor for a person's overall status, health status. Um, we want to, you know, have this body diversity, so accepting and respecting the diversity of all different body shapes and sizes, that's really important. And that, that all people, um, regardless of um, you know, of their shape and size, have the right to to good physical and mental health. So health for all is really important. Of course, being active is is key, and eating well is, is important as well. But we also want to develop a healthy relationship with food. And I think this is where many of the diets that we see in the media fall short. They They make us have a terrible relationship with food, and we feel guilty when we're cheating on our diet or we deprive ourselves from foods that we enjoy and that's not a healthy relationship with food and that leads to feeling good about yourself as well as self-care. So there's, there's a much healthier approach to, um, you know, to feeling good about yourself and, and this, um, this philosophy around a non-diet approach to, to nutrition overall.
2: Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for all of that today.
4: Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure, Mike.
2: Take care. You too. Bye. With Dr. Heather Thomas, that's great stuff. Especially at the end. You know, now we understand the keto diet a little bit more, but at the end, you got to realize everybody's got their own body type. Everybody's got their own body shape. And I hope we're doing a better job in today's world appreciating that. I don't know that we are. Um, I still do see pictures on magazines, but as magazines become fewer and farther between, maybe that kind of element goes away where you don't have people looking and saying this is the perfect body shape that they're are hundreds of body shapes and if you are being active and you are eating okay that may just be your shape that's fine and we do have to get to that point but dr thomas also brought up a great point and this is maybe why we got into this discussion today about the keto diet the idea that it's shared on social media that some kind of celebrity gets doing and this is nothing new You had celebrities hawking diets years ago. Oh, look, I do this. I do this. You know, look at the mess Jenny McCarthy made over vaccinations. Happy measles. You know, like that kind of stuff needs to be paid attention to. And if you've got somebody that is doing something like saying you should eat this way, well, A, look at whether or not they do, and B, what else is in it for them? If there is something else in it for them, then you've got to take that and you've got to kind of put that into your own decisions. So thanks to Dr. Heather Thomas for telling us about the keto diet, which is very difficult to carry out properly. If you are going to do that high fat, it's not, well, I'm I'm keto, I just get to eat fat and I cut out carbs. And it's the lack of understanding sometimes that can also get dangerous in this. Maybe that's not eating keto. You have to actually get your body to go into ketosis because, as Dr. Thomas outlined, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get the body to eat the fat in itself. And that's a difficult trick. Your body wants fat. Believe it or not, it likes fat. Because your body's always kind of worried. Yeah, okay, well, what happens? If you think about you know, fueling your body as that campfire we were talking about. you got the fire going, and your body's always going to be looking around saying, okay, if all this runs out, what are we going to get to next? And it will hang on to those fat stores like a pile of wood in the shed saying, yeah, well, that's the emergency wood. That, if something goes completely wrong and we can't find food for a while, that's the emergency wood. We'll burn that. So you're trying to convince your body to do that. Whether you can, you know, whether you should, that's always up for debate. We will take a break. And up next, talk a little bit about the Oscars. I want to go into that story about the couple that can't stop watching Bohemian Rhapsody, and we'll get to a couple of other things, including a note that could help out Harold about where to find the greatest show on Earth. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Almost down to an hour before the NHL trade deadline... A lot of the talking heads on both networks have been mentioning that Derek Broussard may be headed back to winter. He got traded from Pittsburgh to Florida. Hey, look, summer. Now he's going to go from Florida to Colorado. Ugh, winter. So I don't know what's going back in the deal, but we'll find that out as soon as it does become official. But that has been rumbled by, again, all the talking heads going round and round on TV. Let's uh, take a second... And continue our conversation about movies you can watch again and again. Harold, we can help you out. Shane says you can find the greatest show on earth on Amazon for eight bucks. That's not a bad price for a movie, right? Eight bucks. And Al did email back and he said, no, the original Ten Commandments, the one with Charlton Heston, not the one with Mel Brooks. What's the one with Mel Brooks? I bring you these 15, Crash, 10, Ten Commandments. I always like that. I don't I don't know what movie it is. I'm not a good movie watcher, but if you find a good movie, you do want to stick to it. Got another great email about this, and this comes from Ron, and he says, as a family, we watched What About Bob and Uncle Buck many, many times. You can watch those again and again. What about Bob? You can watch that movie over and over. I don't know what is it about it? Because you know, there's, some, there's some tough parts to deal with in What About Bob? I don't want to spoil it for you, but for a while they just want him to go away. And you either feel for him or you start to hate the, the dad and the family. And you only go through those feelings once. But you can watch that movie again and again. Again, we had Dumb and Dumber earlier, Talladega Nights, Meet the Parents. Uh, this all goes back to a story about a couple... That has watched Bohemian Rhapsody over and over, on and on, 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 on and on. I I don't get it. Did, that's not one that I would go back to. Remy Malek did a great job as Freddie Mercury, yeah, for sure. But once you've seen it, I don't know what there is to see again. It's this is just the, it's like a bunch of little vignettes. They had to put. All of his life and really all the kind of the making of Queen, although it does focus on Freddie Mercury, into just a couple hours. So you just have little bits. There's It's very difficult. There's no progression. There's no character development in this. It's just here's a thing. Here's another thing. Here comes another thing. But this family or this couple, they're both 71 years old. They have watched it in theaters. For 25 straight weeks now, 25 times they've watched Bohemian Rhapsody. And, uh, you know, I can save you some money if you go to Amazon and you find the place that Shane is buying movies. You might be able to pick that up for about eight bucks right now. Next up, we will have news. We have an opportunity for you to win night's tickets coming up. We're going to talk about a rescue dog bringing one home and dealing with the fact that it may not like your home, may not get along with you. What do you do then? You don't take the dog back. Don't take the dog back. We will get to what you can do. John Wade will join us after 2 o'clock. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. NHL trade deadline is now less than an hour away. We're going to give you a chance to win nights tickets. Talk a little more trade deadline before the end of the hour. We are also going to play Eclipse. Have you seen Mason playing hockey? A couple of weeks ago on the show, we were talking about an argument among parents, sometimes parents fighting in hockey. Hockey parents get too intense. Heard a great story from a coach this past weekend, and he was talking about one of his players, he coached 10-year-olds playing, what is is it, peewee when you're 10? So he coached 10-year-olds, and he had a dad call him up and he called him every name in the book because at the beginning of the year, the coach had said, look, I'm going to do my very best not to put any of your kids into a position in which they cannot succeed. And this dad was livid because the coach had put him out on the penalty kill. And I guess the... the the guy's son was not the best hockey player in the world, and I don't know, maybe he didn't want him on the penalty kill. I have no idea what the deal was there, but he was livid about this. And the coach ended up saying, well, you know, what was it about him being on the penalty kill that you didn't like? And the dad said, no, oh, I don't know. I wasn't even at the game. My wife told me, which made absolutely no sense, because if you look at it from the coach's perspective— He just rolled his lines. Everybody killed penalties, and he had a basic penalty kill. So he had taken this particular player aside and had said, okay, this is going to be your turn. If they come down your side of the ice, here's what I want you to do. And twice that player did it. And twice shot the puck down the ice. Something as simple as that came back to the bench, and because he had executed exactly what his coach had wanted him to do, he had the biggest smile on his face. And then you've got a dad who has no idea that any of that had taken place, calling up and reaming out the coach for putting his son into a position where he felt his son would not succeed. He didn't see the game. He didn't see what was going on. How often do we react like that? And you don't take the time to fully understand what's going on. You ever seen Dale Hunter coach? You know what Dale Hunter will do sometimes with players who are maybe going through a bit of a funk? He'll put them on the penalty kill. Think about it this way. You kill off penalties about 80% of the time. So chances are you're going to be out there on the ice doing something, and 80% of the time it's going to go well and you're going to come back to the bench feeling good about yourself. What does that do? Raises your confidence. All of a sudden, you're a better player. Little things. Little things. It's tough. It's tough being a coach. It's tough being a parent. It's tough being a pet owner. Do you not find that? It is tough being a pet owner. If you have a rescue dog and you're trying to take a dog that's four, five, six years old into your house, trying to teach that older dog new tricks, that can be tough. Up next on London Live, we are going to talk with London's most experienced puppy and dog trainer, John Wade, is going to be with us. And I don't know if we can learn to think like a dog. I don't know if that's healthy. Doesn't a dog have an IQ of six? I think we should keep thinking like we are right now, but maybe aim to understand dogs a little bit better. If you're thinking about getting a rescue dog, if you already have a rescue dog, or if you just have a dog that just doesn't seem to do what you want it to do, then this next segment is for you. It comes up in two minutes. This is London Live and Global News Radio 980 CFPL. If you have ever adopted a dog, plan to adopt a dog, just own a dog, then we've got some useful info for you. There is a seminar tonight, actually in Dorchester, if you want to get complete info from 7 to 9.30. We'll talk about how to get involved in that in just a minute. But London's most experienced puppy and dog trainer joins us on London Live. Please welcome John Wade to the show. John, if we are to talk about dogs heading into a new home that don't seem to be fitting in, Things aren't working out. What would you say is a big issue for a dog like that?
5: You know, I would say that the number one issue for the average dog is that if you interviewed the dog and said, so what do you think of the people you live with? The dog would say, oh, my God, John, I just won the lottery for dogs. Uh, I I can't believe it. These are great roommates. And it's that roommate word that gets in the way of who's listening to who. And it's not that you have to resort to bribes or brutality to uh, create a relationship as to you know who's listening to who. It's the little things you do during the day. And when you kind of look at how much time we've got, there's not a lot of us left over at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, most dogs are going to think the work "come" it means if you got a minute, check the day timer.
2: <laughs> now, let's kind of take a dog's psyche for a minute because we have this horrible issue as people of trying to humanize our pets and thinking that they think the way that we do where they probably don't see the world in exactly the same way. So you mentioned a dog will see it as, as a roommate. How is a dog perceiving the roommate relationship
5: well that's uh, that that just brilliantly touched on on the essence there it is uh, uh, it, it isn't because we're different it's because we're same. the same but the vast majority of dog trainers uh, haven't got that yet if uh, like if you say the word uh, well you know in relationship to wolves uh, some dog trainers lose their mind well dogs aren't wolves and you can't compare it to, well there's truth to that. And lots of times the behavior comparisons have been out of whack. But if you made a Venn diagram of dogs and wolves and apes and human beings and everything that we do to parent that overlaps, what you'd see is that's what's missing. And it is those are the things that we need to look at when, we're, when we want to have a, a dog. Again, most of my clients, they're not looking for Lassie. Uh, they just want to come home from a walk and have their arms the same length, and have a dog who can go places and do things, and not have their friends say, "You're not bringing the dog, are you?" Just kind <laughs> of, kind of a, a, kind of a uh, uh, you know a relaxed relationship. But there's a formula. I call it nature's template. It works brilliantly, but it's just not really part of the. Uh, landscape for dog training these days.
2: We're talking with John Wade, and we're talking about the fact that John has a free seminar that is coming up tonight. It's sponsored by Animal Alert, by My Pet Spot, by No Empty Bowls, and it will be happening in Dorchester between 7 and 9.30, and it looks at... Why a dog that is adopted as a rescue dog may not be listening to you and and how to go about getting that dog kind of assimilated into the family. When it comes to training dogs, I don't know, if we go back far enough, it was all about being very, uh, very abrasive and, you know, show the dog who its master is. Does that still come into play at all?
5: You know, if if I was to do a straw poll, I think you'd probably come up with about twenty percent of what's offered to companion dog owners is a variation of that. It has toned down quite a bit, but the the whole concept of uh, you know being dominant pack leader alpha that that kind of energy uh, that's that's sort of a you know. in science, for perspective, pathology, yeah, those terms have legitimacy. But you know, if I dropped a child over in your house, Mike, and I said, "Look, you got to be pack leader, dominant alpha," you you might nod politely, but you're. As I go out the door, you're going to go, "That guy's nuts." <laughs> well, that, that the uh, they they say things like, "Well, you know, a mother dog pins the puppies down," and I don't know whether you've ever seen a mother dog discipline a puppy, but they don't sit down and talk about their feelings. There's no doubt, yes, they do that, but. Our version of that as human beings is, uh, you know, we've had this conversation three times, Mike, and uh, I wasn't asking; I was telling you. Uh, now unplug your Xbox, and that's our alpha rule. But that's not what you open with. There's there's a lot more uh, uh, on the table and tools that we have very very naturally that we can use that work wonderfully with dogs without having to resort to that kind of intimidation. And you know, you know, pain works. So, you know, the, Put your hand on the stove, and you'll figure that out. But I think the whole reason we got parents or teachers, whether we're a dog, a wolf, or an ape or a human being, is to avoid having to learn that way.
2: John Wade joining us. John has been a companion dog trainer for 30 years, and right now, if you look around the city, John is London's most experienced and referred trainer. When you bring in a rescue dog, the dog has history. Typically, this is not a little puppy. This may be a dog that is four, five, six, maybe even older than that, and you have to wonder where the dog has come from. How much does that factor into getting the dog to behave how you want it to?
5: Well, people getting rescue dogs aren't naive. Uh, and I think on some, uh, like they use the term uh, adoption and that kind of thing, which I've never been particularly thrilled with, with uh, in the dog world. Uh, but if, if you're going to use that kind of link, I would use more uh, dating with the purpose of marriage uh, analogy in mind. Because, you know, once you've had a couple of relationships in, in your life, uh, it, you realize a few things. That the people you're going to meet are going to have some baggage. And, and getting a rescue dog is uh, not unlike that, and what you have to do is figure out, well, do you have the sort of baggage that uh, I can help you carry through life, and vice versa, or uh, is this more that I can take on? So part of the responsibility for rescue should be able to do everything in their power to see if they can figure out what that baggage is, because if it's left to chance, quite often in the early stages of the relationship, uh, the dog suppresses it, and then and there's certain things if you are aware of it that you can implement that will keep it from from uh, coming back. But you know, again, back to the dating analogy, it's not like you meet somebody on your first Starbucks date and they just put all the prescriptions and alcohols that they like on the table and say, "Look, this is uh, uh, this is me." It <laughs> takes a while to figure that stuff out, and uh, uh, it, it's not that I think that I think people get in rescues. I don't think they fear it, but they need to know what it is and the other part of it which is kind of beautiful is is that that baggage I have found that when you open that suitcase it's 80% of it's drama. It, it's stuff that if you know what it is and how to address it correctly early you'll find that you will take a huge load off the shoulders of that dog but you have to have the right method, methodology and you know as I say there's about 20% of the dog trainers out there might resort to might is right and 80% of them now are flinging treats at the dog like That's science and they claim it's science too but that's science for training killer whales in an aquarium not the open fluid environment that is that of a companion dog owner so it's not i'm not saying that totally inappropriate but it's inappropriate in the way that it's presented and as a result a lot of dogs never get rid of the baggage and people get frustrated
2: so how do you determine where that baggage then comes from and and how to kind of deal with it Well, we know where it comes from,
5: although oddly enough, again, in the training and veterinarian community, it seems to be a mystery to them. But uh, genetics certainly plays a role. And one of the problems that we'll have is, uh, you know, some dogs are Ferraris and some dogs are minivans. Their genetics are higher higher working, more uh, mental stimulation uh, required. And I think that a lot of people end up getting... uh, um, a Ferrari, uh, and they have a minivan lifestyle. So that, that can uh, create a problem. That's how genetics... We also know a uh, couple of scientists named Scott and Fuller back in the 60s researched to death what, how you form temperament, how you make confidence in a dog, and how you create fear. And that's basically what goes on between 3 and 12 weeks of age. So most of the rescue dogs uh, will be post-12 weeks. So the imprinted period is over. But what you can do is... Um, uh, present the sorts of things that we know often trigger anxiety or aggression or fear in a dog um, in a way that we go, okay, there's something we're going to need to work on, and, and this, rather than wait for it to catch us by surprise. And uh, so that's a process that can be done uh, in, in the I mean, Certainly the ideal solution is uh, better educated breeders and veterinarians and dog trainers so that they are sending that message to people who, when they get their puppies Initially, because that critical imprint period is three to twelve weeks of age. And that's you know, there's a little bit of latitude there, but not a lot. And once it's over, it's over.
2: We're talking with John Wade. John is a companion dog trainer, and tonight in Dorchester there is a free seminar that's being put on by Animal Alert, No Empty Bowls, and Pet Spot, and it goes from seven to nine thirty. Now it is reserved seating. How would somebody, if they wanted to go to that, get to it?
5: Uh, they can go to my website, it's uh, askthedogguide.com, and I think there's an image on the front page, they just uh, click on that. And we've got about, I think, 200 people registered already, and uh, I think the room has a capacity for about 50 more. Uh, the, the reason it's free is the goal is just to get as many bums in the seats as we can, because It's the education we're trying to do. We we want people to learn a little bit more about how to live with their dogs and shape that behavior in a way that is dog-friendly and human-friendly from a companion dog owner's perspective.
2: All right. Well, John, we really appreciate your time today. Just in one last question in in dealing with what you were talking about in terms of of when that imprinting can take place on a dog, can you teach an old dog new tricks? Do we expect too much sometimes? What you're doing
5: uh, when you're working with something where the imprinting may not have been sufficient is you and I and every one of us uh, was born with a muscle, and it's an invisible muscle, and it's called the suck-it-up muscle. And that is what you, you we, we have to uh, tap into when we're in, in situations where we're uncomfortable. And so, yes, we are capable of doing that. The old dog new do tricks. I'm hoping that because I imagine there will be... Far more adults at this thing tonight than there will be children. And I'm hoping that they will leave and have learned something. So it's just that the older we get, the more knots in the leash we have to untie sometimes.
2: Tonight in Dorchester, and you can learn a little bit more about a rescue dog that you may have, may get, or may have had. John, thanks so much. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks so much. That is John Wade, and John is London's most experienced puppy and dog trainer. I like that. The leash has just a few more knots in it that you have to untangle. We all have those leashes by now, don't we? So, that's that's good stuff. I mean, you've got to figure it out. We're still trying to figure out our cat. The cat that wants to go outside, the cat that doesn't use the litter box, We've cleaned the litter box, still wants to go outside. If you don't let it outside, it just pees in the entranceway. It's a... Wonderful system that we have going at home. And, of course, it doesn't want to go outside at 10 in the morning. doesn't want to go outside at 6 o'clock at night. Starts uh, rustling around and and wanting to go out at about 5 a.m. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. Really enjoying that part of my life right now. Lots to come still on the show. We are going to talk about Mason, who is a 4-year-old. Picture doing this, because like I'd outlined, we spend a lot of time talking about parents who are in the wrong in sports. We've got too many helicopter parents out there. They don't understand the situation. One dad decided he was just going to make a different kind of a video. So he miked up his four-year-old during hockey practice and You see four-year-olds and they head around. You never know what they're saying on the ice unless you're out there with them. But they're usually talking or singing or saying something. So he took a chance. And the results have paid off to, I don't know what it was at last count, 3 million views on this video. But it's not a video of parents fighting. It's not a video of somebody complaining. It's not a video of somebody thinking that their son is going to make the National Hockey League and one day be featured in a big trade deadline deal on a day like today. This is just the pure enjoyment of going out as a 4-year-old playing the game of hockey. So I'll play you a little snip from the YouTube video in about 10 minutes from now. And then we will talk about some trade deadline stuff. We are also going to give you two more chances to win tickets to go and see the London Knights and the Guelph Storm. That game comes up tomorrow. The Knights are now down to nine games remaining. And remember what we talked about last week? I talked about this with Weaver on Country 104 and with Taz on FM 96. The idea that when the Knights lose two games in a row, people go, oh, this is... I don't know what's going wrong here. This, this, they need to do this. They need to do this. I should show you the emails and the tweets and the messages that I have received on Facebook of things that I guess I'm supposed to pass on. I'm not sure. But just complaints, just people venting over what they felt was going wrong with the London Knights. Just everybody sit back and take a deep breath. This is a team full of teenagers that at that point, had been playing eight games in 14 days. They're now up to 10 games in 17 days. And they'll add it up to 11 and 19 after they play Guelph tomorrow. It's been a busy stretch. And you've also got some veterans who know the playoffs are coming. And so this is just, this is a thing. This happens. Take a look around. And you want to go through a part of the season where everything doesn't go well. We get so spoiled here in London when you don't leave the arena after a night's win, it all of a sudden feels strange. It shouldn't. But as this year comes to a close and as the playoffs begin, you're going to see a team that has already shown what it can do against top teams. And Alex Formanton has started to regain his timing. He took a penalty on Friday night. It was the second penalty he'd been given in a game. And he stepped out of the penalty box, and all of a sudden you could see something different in him. And he made he went out and he he created a goal – And then yesterday, he was all over the place. He is starting to come back into his own. Everybody else will follow suit. And this should still be a very fun spring to be a London Knights fan. So we'll talk some London Knights. We'll talk some NHL trade deadline. Tell some trade stories. And we'll give you a chance to win Knights tickets, among other things, still to come on London Live. Up next, Jacqueline LaBelle has news. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Now, what it sounds like when you mic up a four-year-old playing hockey in just a couple of minutes. We'll give you a chance to win night's tickets in about 10 minutes from now. And we'll talk a little NHL trade deadline. Have you seen how many bills there are right now in California? An hour ago, we were talking about the keto diet. So, you know, we are always looking for ways to either Eat healthy without having to actually eat healthy or looking for ways to make people healthier without them wanting to become healthier. So in California right now, they have five bills on the table to try to take care of sugary drinks or soft drinks, basically trying to cut down on the amount of pop that is being consumed. We've seen this happen in other places, and it really hasn't worked out all that well. We don't see pop going away. So here's what all of these things are aiming to do. The first bill wants to put a cap on the size of the sugary drink. So it's pop or it's like a Froster or whatever. Every different fast food or sorry, every different corner store has its own name for it. Squishy on the Simpsons. But they want to put a cap on how big that can be. 16 fluid ounces would be the cap. That's a lot. That's a big thing. But it would help deal with the supersize phenomena because 16 fluid ounces is less than supersize. So that's the first bill. They've got another one on the table that wants a tax on drinks to pay for programs to offset health effects of the sugary drinks. Okay. Good luck with that. It's kind of like a carbon tax. Everybody's still trying to play around with how that's all going to work. Third one would ban soda companies from offering promotional deals that would then lower the price of pop and other sugary drinks. So you can't have some kind of deal on your pop. Okay, fine. Uh, Fourth would prohibit supermarkets, retail stores, convenience stores, from putting the drinks near the checkout. And that would keep people from just making those impulse buys. You know how ridiculous some stores are getting now, where you actually have to go through the mouse maze? Well, you You walk down here, and you walk down this way, and then you take a left, and you go back the other way, and you have to walk back and forth and back and forth, in amongst all kinds of crap. That's basically what's there, right before you get to the checkouts. A whole lot of crap. But, oh, hey, I don't have... A keychain with an elf on it. Well, maybe maybe I need one of those. I don't have a light-up pen. Hey, look, it's only two bucks. I'll pick up one of these light-up pens. So that kind of thing, where the power of suggestion is there right before you get to the actual checkout. And the fifth one would call for the labeling of sugary drinks with all kinds of health risk warnings. And this bill says, similar to the tobacco warnings What are we going to put there? I mean, we've had people who've had mouth cancer featured on some of the cigarette packages. Did that stop people from smoking? No, it did not. There is no way. That was a bad idea to begin with. Look at this scary picture. Okay, maybe I won't look at the scary picture. You know what I care about? What's inside. A smoker does not care about the packaging. A smoker cares about the fact that inside the package are cigarettes that they would like to smoke same sort of thing here you can put all kinds of funky pictures out there people are not going to care you get desensitized in a hurry Ah, there's the mouth cancer picture again yeah i got that one a couple weeks ago you know that becomes the attitude same sort of thing here what are we going to do show morbidly obese people have you ever watched 600 pound life i mean that's it's the same thing You're not going to get to people this way. You need to educate them early on. I mean, what's not done enough, in my mind, is educating kids in the home. And I don't put this on the schools or anything like that. Educating kids in the home about what good, healthy habits can do for you right off the bat. You know, if you show your kids, hey, we go outside, we exercise, we do this, it's just going to be ingrained. They're just going to to have good feelings about it. They're going to resort back to it when they're older. That's just my belief. But that's what they're going to do. If you show them those things and you associate them with good feelings, they're going to want to do that. Kind of like watching these movies. You know, Ron had said, Uncle Buck, watch that as a family. What about Bob? As a family. You watch that and you get that good feeling. That's what you want to do in this case. All of these bills and laws after the fact, I hate to say it, the horse is out of the barn. It's difficult to bring that horse back unless someone actually wants to change. So if they've been drinking pop all their life, they're going to miss it when it's gone because they associate it with good feelings. Shouldn't have had that start at the beginning. And as much as you always hate to say, well, then, you know, forget those people. In a way, you're not necessarily going to change them. A lot of knots in their leashes, as John Wade pointed out recently. So, what do you do? You focus in on the kids now. I've still been calling for the health hustle to return to schools. I still think that would be a good thing. No one's ever brought back the health hustle. That was great stuff. Actually, I think they did bring it back for a little while, but I don't think it caught on. I don't know why. That was great. Need more health hustle. Hey, let's talk about somebody who was out and active recently. His name is Mason. And he's four years old, and his dad had been in the stands while Mason was out at hockey practice or playing hockey. He's four, so it's not like he's in big competitive 15-minute period games. He's just out on the ice. He's learning to skate. In fact, you'll hear Mason at one point going, one, two. That's how he was using both feet. Because for a while he was just pushing off one foot and gliding on the other one. So his dad said, why don't you try one, two? So you move one foot and then the other one count one, two. So he's doing that. You'll hear him doing that. But his dad was sitting in the stands wondering, I wonder what he is saying out there on the ice. Because he could see him doing all kinds of stuff. So he decided to find out. He mic'd him up. Now the video is six minutes long. We've cut it down to about 30 seconds, but you'll still get the gist of exactly what Mason is talking about while on the ice at hockey practice. Does Zamboni come on? What's that, Mason? Is the Zamboni coming on? Yeah, does Zamboni come on? Why? Okay. Am I a good scorer
3: there? Oh, yeah, I am. Okay, garbage garbage. One two, 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 one! one. Let me go, you old fat can. Oh, Are we going to go to McDonald's after? Yeah, we're going to go to
2: McDonald's. That is a six-minute video. You can find it at globalnews.ca, but the whole thing is great. It's Mason going around. He gets talking to a buddy. He's in a race at one point, point. Uh, and what his dad has done with some little subtitles needs to be seen. So go to globalnews.ca. I'll actually find it off Global News, and I'll tweet that out at Stubbs980 if you want to check it out. We've got an opportunity for you to win tickets to go and see, I guess— What used to be Mason on the ice, the London Knights and the Guelph Storm. They're much older now, and I don't think they're calling each other big fat cans on the ice. I don't don't hear that necessarily. The chirps are a little bit different on the ice than they used to be. But we'll give you an opportunity to win tickets to go and see the Knights and the Storm tomorrow night at Budweiser Gardens. Two skill testing questions that will each have a pair of tickets attached to them. Coming next on London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. It is NHL trade deadline day today, and right now there are rumbles that the Ottawa Senators have traded Mark Stone to the Golden Knights. He was one of those big pieces. Now everything's starting to come in. Remember how we talked about this earlier today? It's kind of like a Friday night. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Nah, not sure. Why? Because you don't have to decide. You don't have to know what to do. You have time. Well, right up until about 10 minutes ago, you had time. Now you've got to make people make a decision. And that's when you eventually decide on a restaurant on a Friday night or whether to go see a movie or whether to actually go to that concert you were thinking about going to. Maybe go for a walk in Victoria Park. Well, for NHL teams, it's about figuring out whether or not they want to make that trade. And now we'll get a big flurry right before the deadline and we'll see who does what. And we'll have details on that in sports. We'll talk more about trades in just a minute. But I want to give you an opportunity to win tickets to go and see the London Knights and the Guelph Storm. Because this is one of those big-time games of the season. Here's the scenario. Last time the London Knights and the Guelph Storm met, it was a Tuesday, I think. Wasn't it? It was Tuesday? Or was it Wednesday? It was during the week. And it was at Budweiser Gardens. And these are the top two teams in the Midwest Division. These are two teams that are going to have their rivalry rekindled in a hurry if they ever do meet in a playoff series this spring. So London won at 6-1 and Guelph said after the game they hadn't played very well. This was a big game. Knights were ready. Storm were not. You can bet that the Storm will be very ready tomorrow. The Knights a little on the exhausted side, but they'd better be ready or the storm will walk all over them. So this has the makings of a great big game. No need for bulletin board material here. Here's what we have. Two questions, each with tickets attached to it. A pair of tickets for a right answer to each of the following. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give us a call. 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. Question one is this. Name one of the two teams the Knights beat this weekend. Name one of the two teams the Knights beat this weekend. If you can do that, call us at 519-643-2222, and one of those pairs of tickets are yours. The other question, and you can choose to answer this one if you want to, in the OHL standings, how far behind the London Knights are the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds? In other words, how big is the lead that the Knights have for first place in the Western Conference? How far behind the Knights are the Sioux Greyhounds? 519-643-2222. Andrew, you've got the first crack. You get to even pick which question you want to answer.
1: Um, I'll answer uh, who the Knights
2: uh, beat. Okay, name one of the two teams the Knights beat this weekend. Uh, The Battalion. The North Bay Battalion. Andrew, you are off to the game tomorrow. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Hang on. We'll get some information from you. That leaves the question in the OHL standings. How far behind the London Knights are the Sioux Greyhounds? Karen, do you know the answer?
3: No, but I'll say three games.
2: Three. Unfortunately, not three games, but definitely a good guess. And you are allowed to guess at this one. We're looking for the number of points, but I'll even turn that into points. It is not three points. Doug, do you know how many points it might be? I'm going to guess 5. You're going to guess 5. I'm going to tell you not quite 5, but here's what I'm going to do. The number is higher than 3, but it is lower than 5. 519-643-2222. How many points are the Sioux Greyhounds behind the London Knights? Knights have that kind of a lead atop the Western Conference standings. It is higher than 3. It is lower than five five one nine six four three twenty two twenty two Andrew you've got a shot at this are are you talking to me yeah oh hang on you already won hang on we already gave tickets to Andrew so let's go to Chris Chris do Uh, you you know the answer is four the answer is four how did you know
1: uh, die Hard Knights fan, and you
2: just gave it to us. Well done. <laughs> Hang on. Congratulations. We'll get some information from you. I almost gave Andrew another set of tickets. I'm going to take a break. Next up, we will run through a couple of things about the NHL trade deadline, and there's some trade stories that, if you haven't heard them, you need to hear them. One that kind of happened again on friday this had happened back in 1986 kind of happened again on friday we'll have details next on london live on global news radio 980 cfpl big news so far in the nhl trade deadline has been the columbus blue jackets you go back to friday they began to add people they added matt duchene from ottawa And they added Ryan Dezingle on Saturday from Ottawa. I don't know if you saw the Matt Duchesne deal, but Matt Duchesne and the Ottawa Senators are all set to take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. All of a sudden, Matt Duchesne is traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets. What do you do? Do you you pack up and go to the team hotel? Check into a room? Do you stay at home and then just meet your new team? The same thing happened in 1986, but it happened even better than this because the islanders were playing the calgary flames and remember john Tanelli, who had played for the islanders won four stanley cups he was in the dressing room getting set for morning skates in the back of the dressing room is taping a stick and all of a sudden the general manager walks in and when the general manager walks in and you're a veteran player and he wants to talk to you only one thing is happening only one thing and you know it's not a contract because that's initiated in a different way. When he walks into the dressing room, it's you've been traded. So Bill Torrey was the GM. He shut the door. And John Tonelli looked at him and said, Bill, where? And Bill Torrey says, Calgary. It just so happened that the Calgary Flames were taking on the New York Islanders at Nassau Coliseum that night. So John Tonelli actually had to pack up his stuff and walk 100 yards – to the visitors' dressing room and walk into it and meet his new team and then go out for morning skate with them. While Richard Crom and Steve Conroy made the trip to the Islanders' dressing room. I don't even think they got a morning skate that time. And they played against each other that night, and the Islanders beat the Flames 8-4. But Tonelli and the Flames, they made it to the Stanley Cup final that year, so things went just fine that way. So lots of deals are coming in. According to, and the first person to break this was Western University alumnus Elliot Friedman. Uh, looks like the Ottawa Senators will get Eric Branstrom, who is a highly regarded defenseman forward Oscar Lindbergh a second round pick and in exchange the Vegas Golden Knights get Mark Stone so the Senators have taken arguably their three best forwards and they have traded them away and the Senators will be trying to win the Stanley Cup sometime around 2063 Uh, I think that's when they're supposed to be spending toward the cap according to their owner right 2063 somewhere around there right after that new arena is built things are not in a good place in Ottawa right now. That's unfortunate for them. The most interesting team so far in all of this is the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have absolutely loaded up. See, the Blue Jackets had this big choice to make, and we all get big choices in life, and you kind of have to, at some point, pick one or the other. And you know these, these decisions when they come along. They could have sold a couple of players, and then tried to rebuild, and they could have tried to tell their fans, look, we'll be good in a few years. Kind of like the Ottawa Senators. Look, we're being like the Ottawa Senators. Instead, they have loaded up. They've got two players who seem bent on becoming free agents and leaving, but now they've brought in pieces, and they're just going for it. And I think that is the boldest and best move at the NHL trade deadline, as long as they don't move either of those two players in the next, oh, three minutes. So we'll find that out very soon as to whether or not they have moved anything. We are going to talk with Monster Truck tomorrow on the show. We're also going to talk RRSPs. Every year we hear that the RSP trade de- or the RSP deadline, speaking of deadlines, is coming up. Do you actively participate in the RRSP deadline? Do you try and top up RRSPs? You have to kind of be in a position to do that. That's not an easy thing to do. And we always seem to get pressured to do it. Well, is that right? Should, should this be as big a thing as it actually is? And we are also going to talk about a very serious subject, especially in this area, even though you wouldn't think it was serious in this area, and that is human trafficking. And we'll talk with an organization that is doing its best to make life difficult for the traffickers and make life better for those who get caught up in it. That's coming up tomorrow on London Live between 1 and 3. Next up, Jacqueline we will we'll have news. We'll have details on what the weather looks like with John Wilson. We'll keep tabs on the trade deadline as well. London Live brought to you by our friends at Winmar, your restoration specialist. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.